and iHeartMedia. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Until noon, Michael Swain on Iowa State. Empty his notebook on Iowa State Media Day that took place on Monday. He comes up at 1.30. That music means that we are headed east to Chicago, where we will find our friend David Kaplan, ESPN 1000, NBC Sports Chicago. Hello, Capper. How are you? What's going on, man? Hey, can I get a job as your producer? I just got back from Maui. I'd love to be able to do that. You th- life is good for in, the, in the Condon household. That's that's for certain. No question about it. Absolutely. Cap, a lot of ground to cover with you. I want to start with just the um, somewhat um, breaking news, I guess, certainly within the last half hour, 45 minutes. Tony LaRusa going to miss tomorrow's game at the Field of Dreams for a family issue. Um, obviously, it must have been family comes first. I get it. But um, at the same time, that would have been, I'm, I'm guessing he's probably pretty disappointed that he won't get an opportunity to, to, to manage his team as they make their way into what should be a, just a phenomenal night of Major League Baseball. Yeah, I don't know what the family issue is. I just saw what you saw, and I know Carlos Rodon now is on the injured list. So unless he's going to travel there just for the experience, I don't know if he'll be there either. But, um, yeah, I was surprised when I heard that because Tony is a baseball man, first and foremost. So it's got to be something significant if he's going to miss a game like that. The buildup has been immense to this game in our state, as you can imagine, Cappy. It's the first major league game, regular season game that's been played within our state borders. How about the buildup in Chicago? The buildup with the good White Sox team taking on the Yankees. Is it? Just a, a nice little change of pace here, or has there been significant buildup towards this game on Thursday night? Oh, no, there's been significant buildup. You know, you guys always bring up college football or college right. basketball, and I say to you, yeah, no, no. it may be big there. It's not big here. It's a pro town. This game, yeah, they could be playing it on the moon. This is a big game. To do it at the Field of Dreams, like, my son, Brett, had never seen that movie. So Sunday, the, where the Cubs or the Sox-Cubs game was at night. So it's like Sunday afternoon about four. We're thinking about what we're going to do for dinner. My wife's like, hey, Brett, let's watch Feel the Dream. So we locked in and watched it again. And I don't have either of my parents a lot. In December, my dad's been gone since 2000. I'm a basket case over mm. there. He's talking about his dad. I'm like... Mm. Oh, God. And I'm not a crier, but it's a big deal. That's a famous movie that is a great theme. And baseball in this country, I know football's number one now, but growing up, it was baseball, man, for the last hundred years. 
was the soundtrack of everyone's summer. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's really cool what's going on at Dyersville. No, I do too. Can't wait to watch it unfold tomorrow night. Cap, we had a tweet prior to the game. We've been, um, you know, all over this White Sox and they're running away with it. And, you know, I can make a case they're the best team in the American League. I know there's a lot of Astros love out there and the Rays are going to be a pain in the butt. But pointed out that the White Sox are 16 up and 22 down when they play teams uh, that have a record uh, above 500. How big of a concern concern is that cap because after all those are the teams that are going to show up in october those teams that uh do have a pulse um i guess it's a little concern but i think the dodgers are below 500 against teams with a winning record too so if you've got that list i know the dodgers were under 500 when i checked it last time and i think they still are uh there are other teams that are not but let's not forget i think people are forgetting Luis Robert, Aloy Jimenez, Mm -hmm. Yasmani Grandal. Uh, You had stints on the injured list. You know, they they did serve 10-day stints. Lance Lynn, Tim Anderson. Uh, Now Carlos Rodon's on that list. You bet. Yoan Moncada was banged up. Uh, Nick Madrigal's out for the year, and now he's on the cup. You had Michael Kopech was out for almost a month. You had some key guys, and they still have the record they have. So... Yeah, I'm going to ride or die with this team. I think they're good enough to win it. Yeah, I'm with you, Cap. They're phenomenal. Uh, fun, and they're fun to watch, too. Uh, except maybe if you're a Cubs fan, especially on Sunday night, what Jimenez did, what he did. I mean, Cap, it, look, I, I get the trade on one hand. Uh, Quintana was he's obviously he's no longer there. But, man, the, the fall of the Cubs and the rise of the White Sox, it couldn't have been any more clearer uh, this past weekend as it played out at Wrigley Field. Yeah, it was awful if you're a Cubs fan. Now, I think I said it on your show. I've been preaching it on my various shows. I hope they lose every game the rest of the way. I mean, literally. And I know they're not going to lose every game, but they got swept yesterday. Awesome. I want, if you're going to be bad, be epically bad, and all of a sudden look and go, well, I didn't think we were going to be picking in the top five or six or seven. Right. That's where the best players are. I know it's baseball. I know it's a crapshoot. But if you do your job, Clayton Kershaw went seventh in the draft. I mean, there are good players up and down. And I'm going to depend on Jed Hoyer and his scouts that they're going to pick somewhere in that top ten, and it's going to be a better player than Albert Almora or Ian Happ. I mean, they've had top ten picks that have been awful. So now there's a new regime in there with – Dan Kantrovitz, the scouting director. So hopefully they can find a way to get a really, really good player. But for the White Sox over the weekend, that was a great weekend, man. Mm -hmm. It was awesome. They pounded on the go. To the Bears. And Justin Fields is saying that he is trusting the process. Now, that that can have a negative connotation with some people, but the process here, they're going through training camp. The buzz, it's palpable. You can feel it everywhere. Anytime you talk Bears, it starts with Justin Fields. The build-up here, where we are as we get ready for preseason game number one. The build-up is that he's going to play. Now, their offensive line is banged up and banged up in a big way, so they're going to have to chip a back or keep a tight end in or they're going to have to do something to protect their future but like matt said if you don't play him idiot you're supposed to get these guys experience if he god forbid got hurt 
what are you doing putting him out there with that makeshift <laughs> offensive line, idiot? He goes, you can't win for losing. That said, he goes, we have to see him in real competition. So they'll do all they can to protect in the exhibition season. It's not like you're going to look up and go, oh, God, there's Von Miller in his prime on one end and Khalil Mack on the other. Oh, and there's Mean Joe Green, Dan Hampton, and whoever. He said, it's, it's not like that. And guys don't dive at your legs and try and crush you. They try and make a name for themselves, but they'll do all they can to protect this kid. So I'm excited to watch him play. Uh, as a my cap. So is there a chance you think that Matt Nagy has to walk back what he said as far as anointing Andy Dalton, the without a doubt starter of this football team, to begin the season? Is there anything Fields can do? Uh, because it seems to me that the narrative may be changing a little bit, maybe not with Matt Nagy, but certainly with the feelings that uh, that Justin Fields may be ready, ready sooner rather than later. What are the chances Nagy has to walk back what he said regarding uh, Andy Dalton being his, uh, without a doubt, he's going to be our starter? Unless he gets hurt, zero, hmm. nothing. And whether it's media people or it's, observers at practice or it is former players they invite in or players who talk to the media here everyone has said oh my god andy dalton looks amazing Hmm. amazing so maybe this is a guy who has needed this opportunity he got out of cincinnati last year he was in a bad situation in dallas they were all banged up and he got hurt so he know like matt said yesterday we had Matt on the other day. He said, Andy sees things because he's, what, an 11- or 12-year pro? a long time, yeah. And he's gone to multiple Pro Bowls. He said, he sees things that even we don't see and goes, oh, we should make that adjustment. And Justin is learning. And to people that don't, never played quarterback, they're like, well, is that that, that that hard? Justin's just learning how to call plays in the huddle. He's never done that. He would look and they would shuttle in a play. He never had to stand there, bark out signals, take the snap under set, none of that. So this is all new, and he's made great progress, and we're all excited to watch him here in the preseason. But they are going to start Andy Dalton, and I don't think, barring an injury, there's nothing that anyone could do about that. So it looked like a week ago that Carson Wentz was going to be out a significant time. He's been <laughs> practicing this morning. Quentin Nelson, likewise. Yeah. Now Nick Foles, a lot of people were connecting the dots there. Is this just a holding pattern, waiting for that big NFL injury, and maybe the Bears can ship him away for a fifth, sixth-round draft pick? Yeah, I think he's going to end up being here longer than anyone thought mm-hmm. because it sounds like the timetable is not as dire in Indianapolis. Plus, Carson Wentz and Nick Foles, they're, they're not what you would call you know, Christmas card friends. They're just not. I don't think it's Nick's huh. dislike for Carson. What we hear is Carson's just tired of being in his shadow or hearing, well, we won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Well, we got to the playoffs with Nick Foles. So I will be surprised if he ends up now in Indianapolis with all the stuff uh, that we've heard come out of there. If they can move him, they will. But they don't save $1 on the salary cap because the way they had to structure that deal to get the trade done with Jacksonville a year and a half ago, they had to re, you know, set up his bonuses and everything that was guaranteed. They don't save $1 by moving on from him. 
So we'll see what happens. Uh, when you had Nagy on your program, what uh, what concerns him about his roster, Cap? I think he is concerned about the health of his roster. I think he feels like, in fact, I don't think, I know he believes he has a playoff team. He said the vibe in the building is the best it's been in the four years he's been here. Um, I think that there is a sense of relief that they moved on from Mitchell Trubisky and that they have this veteran guy who's going to mentor the future of the franchise. And he said Andy Dalton's been amazing. He has bought in from day one. I'm coming in there, and I know I'm starting at quarterback, but part of my job is to mentor that kid. And he's a wonderful person, Andy. Not controversial, not at all. And so they've been going to dinner together. He's trying to teach him what it means to be a professional quarterback. It's not just about ability. It's how you deal with the media, how you deal with people, the target that's on your back all the time. Anything you do, if you go out and you pick up food and you don't tip somebody, somebody might take a screenshot and go, yeah, that guy makes how many millions of dollars? Right and he didn't this or he didn't that or he got pulled over for speed. Like, everything you do, mm-hmm. you are in a this, like, in a cage. You're, like, in a glass cage, and everyone can see everything mm-hmm. you do, and so you have to be super, super careful. And Andy has mentored him on all that, and by all accounts, Justin's an awesome person. That's awesome. Uh, Kappa, what uh, what was made of Trubisky's comment, uh, it's nice to be in a place where people want you and care about you progressing as a person and a player. And that was when he's, you know, he's obviously he's a Bill now. Uh, that's what he said about the difference between the Bills and the Bears. Big talking point the last couple of days or no? No, because for, first of all, I, I listened to the whole thing. I do not believe it was in relation to what's the difference between Chicago and Buffalo, it was just, hey, man, I looked around. You tell me if I'm wrong. He said, I looked around the league. I wanted to be a starter. There was no opportunity for me to start. So then I took the next best thing where I could learn from some really good offensive coaches and back up a really good player in uh, the quarterback. Josh Allen. Buffalo, Josh Allen, who just signed for $258 million. And he said, I feel like, I'm in a place where they really want me. They really care about me as a person. Everyone here, it's like Mitchell's name is like nails on a chalkboard. <laughs> they freak out when they hear his name. And I don't believe he meant anything about the Chicago Bears. He may feel it privately, because if you remember, as free agency approached, I reported that there was a less than 0% chance that Mitch wanted to come back here. Right and a less than 0% chance that the Bears wanted him back here. And immediately there's, oh, no, that's not true. I don't know where you're getting it. Mitchell Trubisky literally had zero interest in being here, and the Bears had zero interest in having him back. He needed a fresh start, so did they. But I did not take those comments as a shot at Chicago. Eddie Goldman, on the COVID list, he opted out last year, an important part to what they do up front defensively concerns with Goldman as he works his way back and, and trying to get back, obviously, into playing shape after not playing a year ago? Yeah, I mean, anytime you hear that someone has COVID-19 and he's not back yet, certainly he's missing reps. He wasn't here last year because he opted out. So certainly that's concerning. Uh, who was the player last year 
that said two months later he still felt didn't feel like himself mm. yeah. and he would struggle to catch his breath at times. I mean, Eddie Goldman's one of the three or four or five best nose tackles in football. If he's not right, that affects how the Bears play. It affected them last year in trying to stop a running game. So, yes, there's absolutely, till we see him back out and he says, I'm good, there's absolutely a level of concern. Uh, Cap, uh, last thing for you, and this is um, it's a hockey thing, but um, I mean, Tony Esposito is as good a goalie as I've ever watched uh, in uh, my 62 years on this earth. Tony Esposito, 1970, the, uh, took the Habs to seven games by himself. He was unbelievable in that game. He's a Hall of Famer. Of course, his brother Phil, uh, likewise a Hall of Famer, but uh, Tony lost his battle to pancreatic cancer. I'm assuming over the years you met him cap everybody says as good as he was on the ice he was even a better person and an ambassador for the uh for the club as well as the uh, city that uh, he called home so this is a hundred percent from the heart he was my favorite player growing up so i have a jersey i'm going to tweet a picture out of it later of what he signed to me he came into my radio studio at wgn when he first got back with the organization after john mcdonough and jay blanc uh, reignited and reconnected with Paul Makita and Esposito. And I had never met the guy. My favorite player growing up in hockey. And he walked in, hey, I hear you're a fan of mine. I turn around, I'm like, whoa, Tony Esposito? And he brought his mask. And he's wow. like, I've never let anyone wear that mask other than me himself ever put it on. And I have a picture somewhere on my computer of Tony and I with me wearing the mask and then another one of us, me holding the mask. And when I was a little kid, the Blackhawks were not, the home games were never televised. That was a thing. And so my late father got us tickets to go to a game. We were up in the press box because his friend Arnie Harris, the old director of Channel 9, got him the ticket. Me, my brother Bruce, and my dad. I've got to be 12 years old, (laughs) and I'm in my glory. It's the Bruins and the Blackhawks, and it was a 0-0 tie. And they brought us the press notes. We're up in the top of the Chicago Stadium. I fold the press note up into a paper airplane, (laughs) and my brother dares me to throw it. And we're at the top of the building. I throw the paper airplane, and as God is my witness, that paper airplane takes off. There it is floating over the boards as they're going through the warm-ups, and it lands and hits Tony Esposito in his path. He sweeps the paper airplane with his stick into the net. My brother's looking at me. My dad is furious. <laughs> now I tell that story to Tony Esposito. He goes, that was the game against the Bruins. Wow. Said, yes. He's like, I remember. I thought, what idiot just hit me with a paper airplane in my own <laughs> building. I'm like, that was me. <laughs> so I have pictures with him and unbelievable memories. And He was diagnosed four weeks ago four weeks and he was gone so god bless that man i loved him yeah he was unbelievable cap no no doubt about that and that mask there's no helmet part of that mask right they were a little different back then i remember i remember tony esposito's mask in the basement i was tony esposito a whole bunch of times as 11 year old ken unbelievable number 35 cap great stuff today thank you buddy we'll talk to you next week
You're the man. Have a good one, you guys. Thanks. David Kaplan, Centurion Stone of Iowa, sponsors Cappy. Centurion Stone of Iowa, 5525 Northeast 22nd. They have Iowa's best selection of stone veneer, and if you're in the market for manufactured or natural stone, you're going to Oh, get to tackle a project outside or inside perhaps the fireplace or the man cave or the whatever, the rec room. Um, and that's on the agenda. Check them out. You'll be glad you do. You can find them online, centurionstoneofiowa.com, centurionstoneofiowa.com, or in person at the showroom, 5525 Northeast, 22nd Street in Des Moines. Good stuff from Cappy. How about that? Always is in a... Love that story. Paper airplane. And Tony Esposito remembered that. Yeah. That's well, wild. You don't get that happening, I'm sure, very yeah. often. I was against the Bruins. I remember that. Uh, good stuff. Some of those memories that athletes have. Yeah. Where just... some, it's just water off a duck's back. Mm-hmm. No memory. Others, every single moment, every single pitch, <sighs> every single puck drop. They remember, and he was one of those guys. Yeah, the odds that uh, he would have to go back in his memory bank for, yeah, I can remember that back in 1970-whatever it was. Uh, anyways, good stuff out of Cappy on the Bears. So it sounds like Dalton's a guy. It is, yeah. Which, this is different than Nick Foles or some of the garbage veterans that they brought in the Dalton's past. Dalton's not terrible. He's friend. not, right. He he gets lumped in with this group I of gross. I agree with you, yes. That the Bears have brought in. What did in you the, call it? The group of gross. The group of gross <laughs> over the last quarter century of just guys that never were. Now, or, you don't put Cutler in there, do you? No, he was yeah. different. He right. had talent. Right. He was a knucklehead. Right. But he had talent. Mm-hmm. Most of these guys. He had a pretty good eye, too, if you get my drift. <laughs> yeah, he did. And I'm sure still does. Yeah. Sure he's not struggling out no, there. No. At single life anymore, right? But Dalton is a... He took the Bengals to the playoffs four times. A bunch, Cincinnati. Right. One of the worst organizations Mm -hmm. in professional sports. This guy's competent, Mm -hmm. at the very least. Mm -hmm. Having said that, I can't wait to watch Fields. I'm right there with you. (laughs) Is it noon on Saturday? Channel 13, Saturday. Noon. Yes. Now, if you're listening to us, you're not in central Iowa. I don't know if your NBC affiliate has it. NFL Network has the game. They have it listed. But locally, Channel 13 carries it. And it will be blacked out here on NFL Network. On NFL Network, Network, yes. You will be able to watch the replay. Uh, Right. They'll have that. I know NBC Sports Chicago always does. Um, But later on, it's you know maybe 24 hours later, same thing, NFL Network will replay Mm -hmm. overnight. They play all of them, yeah. But live, you will have to watch it Mm -hmm. here in Central Iowa on 13. Mm -hmm. I checked yesterday. I went through and... There it was. Because they will black that out on NFL Network. Right. So if you're hoping for whatever reason, you know, you have YouTube TV or whatever it does, it doesn't have local, that would be the route that you're going to have to go. Noon, though. Yep. Noon Saturday. Noon Saturday. All ready right. or not. We'll get Here it come ready. your Bears. Uh, 11.30, just a couple of minutes before. Uh, we will uh, head next to Michael Swain. He was at, as you would expect, Iowa State Football Media Day. Pick his brain on what he saw, what he heard. Coming up next, we take you until noon. It's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.0. Trent Condon here to tell you about Renestate, the new revenue rocket ship. Putting your home up for rent, not for sale. But why would you do that in a seller's market? Just do the math. Selling a home will catch you some cash once, while renting a home keeps that cash coming month after month after month. And because there are always renters, but not always buyers, rent estate is foolproof, recession-proof, and retirement plan positive. What's not to love? The hassles of being a landlord? For one monthly flat rate. 
Renner's Warehouse will take away the tedious tasks. Tend to your tenants, answer the 3 a.m. calls, market your property, and collect the rent. Make the savvy, long game, paradigm shift and choose Rent Estate with Renner's Warehouse. Get your free rental price analysis today. Go to Renner'sWarehouse.com or call 515-528-4429. 515-528-4429. Because you can't buy happiness. Never bets off. Local farmers markets are back in 2021 in your community. The Waukee Farmers Market features about 30 vendors along with live music. Stop by after a day of work and socialize while shopping local and enjoying tasty prepared food. You can grab barbecue, Jamaican and Cajun food, burgers and hot dogs. Wednesdays from 4 until 7 at Triangle Park on 6th Street in Waukee. This Farmers Market PSA is brought to you by NCMIC. One for podcasting. Building a better community doesn't happen overnight. It takes hard work, dedication, and sacrifice. It takes a team, and it takes time. That's why for 75 years, we at NCMIC have been here working for you and with you. But this anniversary, we're not just looking back. We're focusing on the future, on building Iowa, on the better days ahead, and on how together we can all start taking the path forward. Wednesday. I just I wish we could break down games as far as getting how much money is going to be bet on that game tomorrow at the Field of Dreams in our oh, state. Wow, yeah. In comparison to a, a regular game, season right? game, yeah. yeah. Triple. I trend, I think it's it's tenfold. Be, it's going to do a massive no, perspective aside, right? right? Yeah. When you're talking about baseball, we're not talking about an NFL game, mm-hmm. but putting it in perspective for one of 162, I think it's going to do a massive TV number. Right. All the te- the teams are arriving, they're media seeing it for the first time. They're just drooling. I mean, just to ex- get the the opportunity to experience that. Uh, let's get to Michael Swain. He covers Iowa State, CycloneAlert.com, 24-7 sports. Michael Trenton, Ken, as always, we certainly appreciate being able to uh, rely on you to help us out as the Cyclones go through uh, camp, etc. You know, before we get into what you saw and what you heard on Monday, what a unique, unique move by Iowa State uh, going back in their past, way past, in, in their past with the um, honoring the uniforms that uh, they wore in, in the Jack Trice era and putting that up at uh, different points um, throughout the stadium, that logo that I guess I don't know what it was supposed to be. It's almost like stocks. Or, I don't know what it is, but it looks really cool the way they've done it. And for them to, uh, you know, to go back um, and to honor him that way yet again, not only with the stadium named after him, but now the logo that they wore during that particular era. Pretty cool. It really is, and I think that Iowa State's done a really good job of taking advantage of kind of the Jack Trice story. I know it's something that they kind of use on the recruiting trail to talk to a lot of players about kind of just the impact that he's had on the program, you know, and of course the the saying, uh, I will. I know that the defensive coordinator, John Haycock, is someone that uses that phrase a lot, Um, and so I think it's really great that they've done that, and for those that missed it, um, kind of on the north side of the stadium uh, on the new facility that's being built, they put kind of that Jack Trice logo that you saw in the uniforms last year, they put that really big on the side of the building so you can see it from the stadium. And it looks really, really slick. 
um, I, I think it's great what they've done with it so far. And of course, like the story um, is tragic in of itself, but I think it's something that they've been able to use for kind of motivation going forward. Yeah, the I will. We see that uh, Haycock, when he tweets, that's his, what do you call them, hashtags? Mm-hmm. Hashtag I will, anyways. Well, it's uh, leading up to a season unprecedented for Iowa State. Yesterday, we see the USA Today coaches poll comes out. There's Iowa State at number eight. The buzz, the anticipation, the buildup for this football season is unlike anything we've seen, but we also know what early season issues Iowa State football has had under Matt Campbell. I'm going to guess that's been a big conversation piece and something they're trying to change here come September. What did you hear, your takeaways from that angle, looking at the early season struggles? Yeah, it's interesting. That was really a storyline, I think, that we hit on pretty heavily kind of during spring practice when I was trying to figure out, you know, how does the approach change to make sure that you can't hit the ground running? Because I think we've talked about on the show before, but like mm-hmm. Iowa State needs to hit the ground running to be able to compete for the college football playoff later on in this season. You've got to beat UNI, you've got to beat Iowa, and you've got to beat UNLV before you get a Big 12 play. And for Iowa State, it's not been great to start seasons. Of course, think about, you know, the Louisiana game last year, Northern Iowa this season before, you know, these are spots where Iowa State has traditionally struggled. Now, it sounds like the coaching staff has really um, tried to find the right approach to where that the guys are ready to not only start the season on the right foot and hit the ground running, so to speak, but also make sure that they're able to keep things kind of going through December when that conference championship game comes and, hope, and Iowa State hopes to be playing in that. So what we've heard from the coaching staff so far has been that they're really trying to merge those two things. We're getting everyone ready to play week one to where they can play at a really high level then, but not to where they're kind of peaking in week one, week two, week three, but where they can be at a high level and then continue to build as the season goes on. Now, the specifics of what that means, I'm not necessarily 100% sure on that. I know that the staff has relied on Dave Andrews and some technology to kind of make sure everyone on a day-to-day basis, seeing where everyone is at practice-wise and um, using some of like the vital signs. I'm not really sure how it works health-wise, but you look at some of the signs of what players' bodies are doing, and they're able to kind of tailor the practice to what is going on based on those measurements. So I think that's one way that Iowa State's tried to make sure that everyone's here to hit the ground running. But I think at some point, too, you just got to kind of see it before you believe it. Uh, and as, along those lines, seeing before we believe it, because uh, we haven't seen it on, on their field on a consistent basis, but I'm hearing a lot of good things about Joe Skates, who certainly had a lot of hype around him his, since he's been there uh, at Iowa State. Uh, was Skates a topic at all amongst some of the guys, receivers that are going to really push for playing time? And how about some of the other guys that are further down the depth chart that might have been uh, brought up in conversation at some point on Monday? Definitely. Um, that seems like there's some tangible buzz with Joe Skates right now, <clears throat> where uh, at Big 12 Media Day, for some context here, Brees Hall mentioned Joe Skates as being his pick for a breakout candidate. Mm. Um, I took that as like a note and yeah. then went and asked, you know, a lot of the offensive players at Media Day, hey, who is your pick for a breakout candidate? And Joe Skates was the most popular pick from those offensive players. Charlie Kohler, who was on campus a year before Skates got on campus, so he's been around him the entire time that Skates has been at Iowa State. said it's the most focused and locked in mentally that Skates has been since he's been at Iowa State. And, of course, if you follow the Iowa State Twitter, they shared a video of Skates making a really acrobatic catch during fall camp. Um, I was told that was a 60-yard catch that he had in camp over uh, a corner, Daytron Young. So he's someone that you look at Iowa State and you look at the wide receivers, they've got – a really good group of guys that are really good kind of that line of scrimmage to 15, 20 yards. Xavier Hutchinson's one of those guys. Sean Shaw's one of those guys. But 
it's a deep threat they really haven't had. And it seems like, you know, Joe Skates might be that guy. I, I would argue maybe he's probably one of the faster wide receivers, if not the fastest wide receiver Iowa State has. Um, so he and Tariq Milton could help Iowa State stretch the defense and then, of course, you know, open up some more running lanes for Brees Hall and for guys like Charlie Kohler, you know, Xavier Hutchinson to get catches over the middle. To special teams and the kicking battle. It sounds like this is a true battle at a very important spot. You're going to win in the margins. You're going to have to do it with special teams a lot of times here. Takeaways from Campbell says it's not just Andrew Mavis who comes in as the grad transfer from Fordham and Connor Asali, but Drake Nettles also in the mix. Definitely. I think for me the funniest part maybe of Matt Campbell's media day press conference was he had a line. Uh, he was asked about the kicking issues Iowa State had last year, and he said more or less like that's putting it lightly, saying <laughs> that Iowa State had issues on kickoffs. Um, Campbell said that from what they've learned that they were some of the or they covered the most kickoffs, so they had the least amount of touchbacks of anyone in college football, which is a big deal because you think about Kenny Nuongu on the reverse side of things. Think of how many times he had big kick returns for Iowa State last year. If you're giving other teams opportunities to return the ball, chances are once. You know, every few times, you know, how many, you know, once every two games, they're going to pull off a big return. Mm-hmm. So for Iowa State, it's about trying to find that guy that can consistently hit touchbacks. And it sounds like, you know, Andrew Mevis might be that guy. Um, he was really good at Fordham in terms of getting touchbacks and his touchback numbers. They were really, really good. Um, he seems like someone that's probably going to be the one that does kickoffs to start off. And then the question will be, you know, is Connor Asali going to hold on to his spot as a field goal kicker? Because he had his kind of, uh, if you look at the numbers, his worst you know, year at Iowa State last season. Um, and now it's just a question of can he hold on to his job or is Mavis then going to come in and kind of take that one on too? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. And uh, if you know the history of Iowa State, as I know that you're, you're getting more and more acquainted with it, kicking has been an issue there for mm-hmm. a long, long time. Uh, so we'll see if Mavis uh, can uh, compose. Uh, Sally's had his moments, but uh, there's been some. Uh, you know, you can just picture fans at Jack Trice Stadium kind of covering their eyes when there's a field goal in, in a big spot in a football game, almost that they're too afraid to look. Anyways, uh, let's get away from the kicker and let's get back to uh, position battles. Uh, you know, as, as we've said uh, in our conversations with you, Michael, leading up to the leading up to the fall, as is going to be the case with a lot of schools this year, just because of those super seniors, there's going to be fewer uh, fewer than normal position battles in fall camp. Is there one that stands out above the others in your mind? It's not necessarily a specific position, but more so a specific group for Iowa State, and it's the offensive line. You think back to last year going into the season, and this is something I wrote about this morning over at Cyclone Alert, was kind of you look back to last season and going into the season, you knew you had Trevor Downing and Colin Newell as kind of your anchors. The other three spots were kind of up for grabs. And, you know, then in the opening game of the season, Trevor Downing goes down with an injury, ends up being a season-ending injury. And yet Iowa State was able to have a really good offensive line where they were the semifinalist for the Joe Moore Award, Mm -hmm. which is given to the best offensive line each year. So you look at the growth of that position, and Matt Campbell said it was the position that grew the most over the last calendar year. And so now you go into the fall where you've got seven guys that started games last season. Um, it's not hard to think that Trevor Downing will start at one of the guard spots. You know, Sean Foster will probably start at left tackle. Uh, Colin Newell will start at center. But then you look at right guard and right tackle, and those two positions are really intriguing. Um, Derek Schweiger started you know, games at right guard and then went back to left guard when Downing got hurt. Daryl Simmons is someone that came in, and I've heard really, really positive things about him in terms of his long-term potential. He's someone Matt Campbell said might have the highest ceiling of any offensive lineman in the program. And then at right tackle, Jake Remsburg is someone that 
you know, started multiple games last year as a redshirt freshman, looked really good, suffered an upper body injury, if you remember, in that Big 12 title game, and then kind of rehabbed himself through the offseason. Maybe he's able to start at right tackle. But kind of the right side of the offensive line to me is just so intriguing because you've got a lot of options. And Matt Campbell also said at his press conference uh, last Friday that he feels like there are 11 guys that can start or contribute along the offensive line, which if you compare that to two seasons ago in 2019 – that's a stark difference, Brian. Really? Yeah, no doubt about it. And you're right about Simmons. He came in, he played well. Uh, I thought Remsburg had a really nice year when he was thrust into duty in his own right. Uh, last thing, Michael, uh, coaching availability um, since then. Uh, Iowa State's very good at doing this. Uh, you know, they, they, they bring out a coordinator or a position coach and they, you know, give you guys an opportunity to go one-on-one. What's the schedule like this week as far as that? Yeah, starting off, well, I love it personally because I enjoy great. talking to the coaches. I think it's yeah. great. Um, so today we've got Coach Nate Shieldhouse, the yeah. wide receivers and running backs coach, and Eli Rashid, the defensive line coach. We've got them today at 4.30. Then we've got the tight ends coach, Taylor Mauser, and the safeties coach, Dion Broomfield, on Friday. And then next week we'll hit on the rest of the uh, position coaches and coordinators uh, before wrapping stuff up on, the on what is it, August 20th. Well, you know what? We will impose on you on Friday to give us a little bit of recap because our buddy Dave Sproul is on vacation. Then we'll get you back early next week. So I'll uh, reach out as far as a time slot for you on Friday if you can give Trent and I a few minutes. Our friend Michael Swain from CycloneAlert.com, part of 24-7 Sports. Michael, as always, thank you. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. Always appreciate it. Yep, we do too. Thank you, Michael Swain, 247sportscyclonealert.com. Good stuff out of us. I wish you put out a depth chart, Campbell. And I know that they're worth the paper they're written on for the most part, right? But still, just. It's a good segment for us. Feed the beast. Yes. Fans want to know. Even if you're messing with media people like us. Yes. And I think there's times that that does happen. Maybe. That there's something in the depth. Look at the shiny object over here (laughs) because something else is going on. I think that happens maybe even more often than we think. Never know. Well, probably never will. We'll take our final time out. Come back, wrap things up. You are part of Hawk Central tonight. I am, yeah. Going to open up the show with Chad Leistico this evening and talk some Hawkeye gambling, go through some of the point spreads for the games. (laughs) Nice. Over under at eight and a half. Because Leistico's got the fever, too. He does. he texted me last night. He bet on the godforsaken Minnesota Twins and came up a he? winner. Did they? Oh, they did win. They, they beat did. the Sox last night, didn't they? That was my reintroduction to sports last night. It was a pretty fun one. So last you were evening. on them too? No, just watching. Um, Made a lot of money betting against the Twins this year. You could have. It's been profitable. Uh, Miller and Condon back to wrap things up on a Wednesday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Some roofing companies come and go like a passing storm. Here today, gone tomorrow, not Wolf Roofing. Wolf Roofing has been serving Central Iowa since 1993, from basic repairs to complete re-roofing projects. Wolf Roofing has the expertise to get your job done right. We have a team of highly trained and certified people, both in the field and behind the scenes, who care about your project. For a job done right, get the professionals at Wolf Roofing a call at 225-8866 or find us on the web at... Back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. All right, Miller and Condon, welcome back. A couple of minutes before we skedaddle out of here on a Wednesday. Murph and Andy coming up in an hour and seven minutes. Then the Fanatics to Three Hawk Central goes tonight. Chad Leistikow and uh, company talking Iowa football uh, coming your way here at 6 o'clock. Well... 
what's on the docket for you tonight? Uh, this evening, I am not going to... Nothing in baseball that jumped out this afternoon. I love two plays. Of course, the White Sox against the Twins. Right. You like your free square. Every single time that it's available, I will take Mm -hmm. that one. Also this afternoon, going to jump on the Astros against the Rockies. They're at home. Valdez on the mound. Pretty good. Um, So I'm going to put those two together. White Sox and Astros. Get plus 130. Not too bad. Take it. And I got a golf play. (laughs) Yes. Golf. Back at it. Back stateside. Got to be betting the golf. Charles Swartzel, top 20. You get him plus 180. You have played more golf this year. I love it. I guess. I don't know. I, I've Majors, I'm totally in. Yes, you are. But you can't get into... See, not, I haven't watched the normal, uh, the, the regular tour. Do you... I so this weekend... You, yeah, you got NFL preseason. You're not going to probably watch any golf. Trent, you know what I've been doing this last couple of weeks? I've been betting Delmar way more than I should. <laughs> I thought I was over my horse racing problem, yeah. but I, I'm back in. Is it the South Point that brought you, sucked you back well, in? Well, yeah, I had such a ball out there. Kalen, yeah. My son, Kalen, I wish had such a great time, and I love Delmar. And I go home on Friday, and first post is 6 o'clock our time. Oh, wow. And then the late races are... The last race of the night goes off just after 9 hour time on Saturday and Sunday, so it's perfect. And then you get into dinner time. Right. So Friday I went 0 for 6. Saturday I went 7 for 7. Whoa! And followed it up with an 0 for 5. Consistent, yeah. if nothing, huh? So I guess I'm due tomorrow night or Friday night. Anyways, we'll be back tomorrow. Thank you for being with us here today. We're Miller and Condon. Thank you for helping out the last oh, seven days. Oh, listen, you deserve it. You work your tail off. Show's better when you're here. Glad you're back. Miller and Condon, uh, weekdays from 10 to noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM.